Happy Friday, everybody. It's another episode of The Pinch Point, your favorite podcast where we talk about all things crazy in the world of hunting, shooting, sports, outdoors, and even some... I, I'm, we got a story this week that's a bit of a stretch, but I feel like I, in my heart, my heart of hearts, we got to talk about it. This one's near and dear to me, but that's not where we're going to begin. We're going to give a little update first on last week's episode. Uh, we talked a little bit or a lot about the dump buck and we are wild speculation on our part. What happened? A good old fashioned whodunit. Well, I was reached out to and contacted by some folks that were a part of this case who have more information and evidence to share with me. And actually, I was sent a video that was posted to social media. Did you guys both watch it with me? Or was yep. it just you, Paul? I, I know, I, might def- have been just I, know you. I definitely saw so it. So I was shared a video that the offender posted on his social media immediately after shooting the deer. And it... <laughs> It's the most, oh yeah, I remember that. It's the most ridiculous thing I may have ever seen another human being. Probably not the most ridiculous, but when it comes to like deer reactions, I was like, wow, this one may take the cake. So I got to figure out if we're allowed to show that one. I gotta, I gotta talk a little bit more, but um, it certainly appears from what I've been shown that the person in question. It certainly appears was was trespassing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so anyways, we'll have some more updates on the dump buck, hopefully next week for you guys. Uh, so we're moving on from that. Let's talk about Kansas deer baiting. That's been a hot topic, baiting. And so uh, as you guys may know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And one of the podcasts that I listen to fairly frequently is the Hunter podcast, um, with Jared and Jeremy, and they talk a lot about baiting as well because they do a lot of stuff in Ohio and Ohio is a, a baiting state. So I've been listening to their opinions a lot and I tend to agree with them. Like I know I, I'm always torn of like whether I want to just let people do whatever they want to do and tell the government to stay the hell out of it or whether I think in certain instances they should step in and say, no, we, we shouldn't be doing this. There's really no need for this. And then actually it's causing um, it hurts more than it helps. In the case of baiting, I would be completely okay if they if they got rid of it. But as you guys may know, we talked about Kansas, and they are all they're doing is debating, talking about it. Should we get rid of baiting? Okay. So we have a couple folks, Kansas lawmakers, elected officials, who have a vested interest in hunting, i.e., one of them owns a hunting outfitting business. And he also happens to be a a lawmaker that oversees the budget for the DNR. And he's threatening the DNR and saying, if you guys decide collectively as an organization who's charged with making the best decision for our state, if you decide to do this, I'm going to exercise my power overseeing your budget to essentially cut your budget. I'm going to take a million dollars out of your budget and I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to go every, we're going to make your lives hell. We're going to go through everything with a fine tooth comb because this guy disagrees with getting rid of baiting. So now everybody's up in a bit of an uproar saying like, Hey dude, you're an elected official. And this is a bit of a conflict of interest because you own an outfitting business and his outfitting business. So, so let me go kind of through this. So the, the, uh, somebody sent me this article, It's on KCUR 89.3, 
which is, I guess, NPR in, in Kansas City. Uh, a Kansas lawmaker threatens the wildlife department over deer baiting, raising ethics concerns. A Republican lawmaker sparked ethics concerns after he threatened to cut at least a million dollars from the agency if it bans deer baiting. He said another lawmaker that owns a hunting lodge would help him. So we have two people uh, at the center of this. Representative Lewis Bloom, who is a farmer from Clay Center. Uh, and then we have Republican Representative Ken Corbett, the chair of the Agriculture and Natural Resources Budget Committee, who owns a lodge in Topeka that offers deer hunting for thousands of dollars per person. And he's raising concerns of lawmaker conflict of interest. Uh, so yeah, Mr. Bloom... Mr. Lewis Bloom said, if you consider banning baiting, we're going to take a million dollars off the top of your budget immediately. And then we will go through every line item bit by bit and take off everything we can possibly find. It's kind of a dick move, right? Just because he doesn't like their, their decision, even though it may be in the best interest of the state overall, but he disagrees with it. And he's going to be like, no, screw you guys. Like, that's not cool. Somebody should talk to Mr. Ken and Mr. Lewis out there and be like, Hey guys, not cool of you. You shouldn't be doing this. Why would you want to defund the DNR who's already underfunded and like has a, a horribly difficult job of trying to maintain and enforce all the laws that we already have on the books? Now, just because you want to bait deer, you're going to threaten the entire agency. Not a good look. Like you would think that in today's day and age with all these fine microphones and podcasts out there, that people would learn you know, if we do this, everybody's going to know about it. I feel like in the old days, before there was all this media, they could get away with shit like this. Nobody ever knew. Nobody could get the word out. Idiots like me couldn't be talking about it. Now, we get to put these guys on blast. So I looked the, the guy up, Mr. Ken Corbett. Oh, shoot. Did I just close it? No, here it is. He owns uh, the Ravenwood Lodge is what it's called. It looks like they're primarily like a wing shooting lodge in Kansas, right? But they offer deer hunts. And interestingly enough, his deer hunts are based on the size of the animal that you kill, which almost leads me to believe that it, it's high fence, but I don't think it is. I don't think it's a high fence operation. It's just an interesting structure. It says we offer some of the finest deer hunting in Kansas, from big open pastures to heavily timbered creek and river bottoms. Hunting areas are very private, and our guides work hard to put you into a shooting opportunity. Now, the way that they price their hunts is that you pay a daily cost. It's $1,000 a day, base price for the hunt, which includes your meals and your lodging and everything else. But then, based on the size of the animal you shoot, you pay a trophy fee on top of that. So for him, obviously there's a monetary incentive. The more big deer that they can kill, the more money he makes, right? It's not like he's just selling 10 hunts at $3,500 a piece and whether you kill one or not, it is what it is. In his case, his trophy fees are ridiculous, by the way. If you shoot a deer that's over 200, 200 to 210 inches, $6,900 trophy fee. <laughs> yeah, right? Shoot, that is a lot of money. If you happen to kill one that's over 210, 7950. Cost you 8 Gs for a 210 plus. And then that's on top of your $1000 a day base rate. So obviously there's a financial incentive. It's way easier to kill them over a bait pile, right? It sounds it sounds like to me like it's got to be high fence. That's what how, I thought. How many 210s are running around in the same spot? Kansas? 
tons of them. They have turkey oh, hunts, nice. waterfall hunts, predator hunts, whitetail hunts. Like nowhere in here does it say that it's a high fence operation. But maybe it is. Yeah, I don't know. Why would it say it doesn't have to? Well, generally speaking, like when you're a high fence operation, you're like putting that out there. I mean, that's a very specific niche thing. Do you don't want somebody the, calling you up and booking a hunt. Then they think it's fair chase and they show up and they're in, in a pen. Like that wouldn't be cool. Do they list the price for the other side, like smaller sizes? Like if you shoot a one. Uh, yeah, let's see. So if you shoot something under uh, 150, it's only 1590. Some odd dollar amounts they come up with. $1,590. $150. $1, they go in 10 uh, inch increments. So 150 to 160 is 2125. A 160 to 170, 3200. 180 to 190, we're really jumping up here now, 4750. So if you go from a 170 to a 171, it's like an extra 1500 for that extra inch. Man, getting a little greedy there, Ken. So there you go. He is located at the Ravenwood Lodge, open seven days a week for clays, hunting, lodging, business meetings by appointment only. So there you have it. And they're basically uh, in the article, it said something about like, DNR shouldn't be telling us what we can do and not do on our own private land. It's like, well, we have things like season dates and license requirements and bag limits and method of harvest and all sorts of other rules and regulations that we're not arguing about. But all of a sudden, when it comes to baiting, dude, people, oof, baiting. You think it's safe to say that old Ken is a master baiter? I would say. <laughs> That's I why he's so hear. against getting rid of it. I know that was a cheap shot and a terrible joke, but I kind of thought it was funny. <laughs> I was, I've was. i been counting in the back of my head just waiting for the, cause like the, the, moment, <laughs> the moment you just said baiting and then. Oh, oh you man. Saw, you saw the grin. Just, he looked like the Grinch. He I know did, it was he coming. Just he just knew it was coming. No when, they were, when they were debating and then baiting, I was like, "It's coming. It's, <laughs> coming. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before my little my little child brain connects the dots." All right, moving on to the next story. Uh, Paul, I don't know where you found this one, but it said South Dakota road hunting laws are the most lax in the Great Plains. So. I love these articles. They're so they're so funny to me. Midland, South Dakota. No neighboring state is as liberal as South Dakota when it comes to traveling with loaded guns and hunting on, along, or even over roads. Despite accidents in which hunters have been killed or wounded, it remains legal for a hunter to drive with a loaded, uncased firearm along almost any highway or road except an interstate. That's a great place to live. I'll never forget the first time I ever went hunting in Wyoming. Keep in mind, we live in Illinois. Some of the strictest, ridiculous gun laws in the country, right? The first time I went to Wyoming, we went to Table Mountain Outfitters to hunt antelope. And uh, I jumped in the front seat with our guide. I can't remember the kid's name. And there was a rifle, an uncased rifle, like just tucked between like my seat and the center console of his truck. And then he had another one on his side. There was like just two rifles loaded uncased in the vehicle when I jumped in and I was like what in the hell is this like we're going to jail for the rest of our lives if we get caught and he's like no dude this is perfectly legal you just never know when you're going to see a coyote and have to jump out and shoot it and I was like and you could do this here he's like yeah no it's just perfectly legal I was absolutely floored like that you could you could do that again coming from Illinois where it's like it's got to be in a case 
can't be loaded. The bullets have to be like in a different spot than the kid. Like it's completely ridiculous what we have here. And you just drive around with a loaded gun in your truck. I know when I go out with the crew, one day he uh, he sent me back to the truck for something. He's like, go in my center console and like grab these binoculars or rangefinder or whatever. So I just open up his center console and there's just multiple loaded handguns just floating around in the center console, bullets everywhere. I, mean, I was like, wow, this is great. I need to move out of this freaking <laughs> state that I live in. So what I th- thought was interesting about this this article written for Dakota News is this this person, I think it was a woman, Abby, Abby Staganga. Old Abby wrote this thing and she really went hard at like the safety aspect, right? This is unsafe and people are dying and you know, whatnot. So, but when they decide to pick stats, they never really mention, like, they don't give you a comparison. How safe is this as compared to just other things in general? And they also tend to cherry pick, like they, they gave really strange dates on here. They were like, you know, between 2000, I need to find it. It was like between 2003 and 2013. So it's like, we're picking a decade that happened a decade ago, like to, to cite statistics from, which I've always found to be very strange. Like when you're writing an article in 2023 and you're like, well, I have this stats from a decade, a decade ago. Does it seem reasonable to include them? I don't know, but it helps me support my my hypothesis or whatever you want to call it here. Uh, so I need to find this one. Where did it go? A couple close calls we talk about. Okay. So from 2003 to 2013, 29 vehicle related incidents involving weapons or guns or whatever led to four deaths that were reported. So we had four deaths over a 10 year period. From 2015 to 2018, which is a completely separate, like, three-year stretch, officials documented 10 incidents involving road hunting or gun transport. Doesn't say anything about any deaths, because there probably were none, and she's pushing the safety. So I wanted to see, like, how safe is this really, as compared to other things? How many people in the state of South Dakota are killed in car accidents every year, would you say? If you had to take a guess, take a gander, boys. It's not many. South Dakota. It's 100. Paul? 230. 230. Brando is pretty close. Last year was 106. 106 people died in car accidents in South Dakota last year. 73 so far this year. How about drowning? How many people drown in the state of South Dakota every year? Four. Four. 14. 14. 182. Whoa, far more than die in car accidents. So we have 182 people on average die every year in South Dakota from drowning. But in the the 10 year stretch that they talked about for these gun safety, it's this is dangerous. We had four over the period of 10 years versus the 182 a year that drown. So it's like by comparison to other things like swimming, boating, I, I probably not ice fishing, but maybe one or two. I don't know. Hopefully not. Go I feel, ahead. I, I feel like we, if you want to move out there, we should just move out there and like just start like swimming lessons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, pool, so oddly enough, business. I looked up uh, drowning deaths by state in in the U.S. and I just recall that South Dakota was number thirteen in terms of drowning deaths per year. I forget who number one. Florida's got to have a lot, probably. 
You think so? Probably just because the ocean. Everybody's in the ocean. There's Is that where they're drowning? Of, there's tons of lakes in there. Alligators, you know. Yeah, but an alligator drowning death. Does that, alligator, does that like that, count yeah, as that, a drowning death? Like if they pull you under and you can't and you drown. I mean, I I would. I now would you're say, imploring me to go do this again <laughs> to find I would, this. Stupid I would say article. so because that's how an alligator hunts. It grabs it, pulls it into the water, and then drowns it. All right. You guys suck for making me look this up. <laughs> so they do it. They go like average number of drowning deaths per one thousand per a hundred thousand residents. So they average it out because obviously some states have, you know, fewer people population wise. The most drowning deaths, Brando. You were you were close in your thinking, but it's actually Hawaii is number one at three point three eight. Per capita, per hundred thousand people, I think it's followed the then tourists. by Alaska. Alaska, who the hell's swimming in Alaska? What are people doing in Alaska that they're drowning? Polar bear plunging, I guess. <laughs> Fourteen people died at the annual <laughs> polar bear plunge in Anchorage this week. That's not, that's not funny. <laughs> Montana, number three. Florida, number four. Two point zero eight. But if you were to look at the total volume of people, like just sheer number, Florida's far and away. Like, dude, it's not even close. 3,700 people a year drown oh. in Florida. Like Alaska, we talked about, it's only 26 people a year. But because their population is so low, it's like per 100,000 people, it's it's higher. But yeah, Florida for sure, 3,700 people a year. I think Bro. every every house down, just about every house has a pool, so... You got a pool, ponds, that's, lakes. That's a lot of freaking people, dude. They only gave me the top 15. South Dakota was number 13. So it went Hawaii, Alaska, Montana, Florida, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Arkansas, New Mexico, Nevada, rounding out the top 10. Illinois is uh, not, on, not on the list. Drownings are actually happening more frequently, they say. So there you go. Everybody learn how to swim. Put your life jacket on. So yeah, this this poor girl that wrote this stupid ass article about South Dakota road hunting laws, mm, not a big fan. All right, what else do we have to talk about today, boys? We got a couple other. Let's just get this sad ass one out of the way now, shall we? That way we can end on a bit of a higher note. Very sad. This is this is freaking terrible. I don't even want to talk about this. It just makes me sad. Florida girl, sixteen, dies after being struck by lightning while hunting with her dad. Man, what a terrible story. Uh, Bailey Holbrook and her dad were out hunting on Tuesday when lightning struck a tree. It's unclear if they were in the tree or just near the tree, but it struck the tree and then struck both of them. The dad was knocked unconscious when he came to, found his daughter not breathing, did CPR. They ended up getting her to the hospital. Um, I think she made it like a day and a half, something like that. I don't know if she passed away on her own or they took her off life support. But in any case, 16 years old, this poor girl, it's terrible. There's a bunch of pictures going around of her. She looked like she was a pretty badass hunter. I saw one with her with like a, are they gators, I guess, in Florida? Yeah, the Florida gators. She had a gator. There's one, she had a couple turkeys that she had just shot. 16 years old, seemed like a, a you know, I don't didn't know her obviously, but seemed like a nice girl and out hunting with her dad, struck by lightning, like less than a, like one in a million chance, right? It's just one of those freak terrible accidents so thoughts and prayers out to Bray bailey holbrook's family for anybody that knew them that's that's it's terrible yeah we're gonna move on from that one because it makes me sad i don't like things that make me sad i want to talk about people doing stupid shit that makes me 
happy. <laughs> Let's talk about this fella here. Found a found an article on uh, Field and Stream about a bow hunter who took a giant elk with his bow in North Dakota. I didn't even know you could hunt elk or that there were elk in North Dakota, but apparently there is a limited number of elk in North Dakota. And as a resident, you can enter a lottery. And if you get drawn, it's a once in a lifetime tag. That's kind of like Pennsylvania. Kind of like PA. Gosh, have you seen some of the elk that have come out of Pennsylvania this year? Good night. There are some absolute giants. Like that would be freaking cool to go do. Pennsylvania and even uh, Kentucky has a very limited amount of elk tags that you can get. And there's some absolute hammers. Michigan has it too, I think. Wisconsin's got a season now. Wisconsin's got a very, very small, limited couple elk season. I don't know about Michigan, but yeah, that's freaking cool as hell. So this fellow's name was Thomas Sitzer. And uh, his bull elk was just over 360 inches. Shot it out of a ground blind out in a field like he was hunting deer. It's so cool when you think about like elk hunting and you look at like guys that are packing miles back into the mountains and Utah and all the Montana, Colorado, wherever. And then North Dakota, he's like, yeah, I was in a ground blind over like a hayfield or something like that. A bunch of elk came out and he managed to cow call this one into 40 yards and smoke it. So good for him. That would be cool to do. I don't know. I mean, I always picture in my mind like that, like, we hiked into the back country and set up a tent and jet boils and all those things. Pine like trees. Pine trees. Aspen, yeah. Aspen I mean that, trees. Aspens and pines and grizzly bears. Oh my. But yeah, I mean, if I had to go sit in a blind and schwack a 360 bull, I think I would do it. So congrats to this lucky hunter. Uh, let's talk about um, people doing dumb stuff with crossbows. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Always. Um, let's see here. We got two stupid crossbow people this week. First uh, was a guy who killed his roommate with a crossbow, but I don't know why. I don't understand these stupid articles where they like never tell you why. So there's a story, uh, an El Paso County man accused of killing his roommate with an archery crossbow last year accepted a plea deal that landed him 12 years in the clink. Prosecutors say Carlos Alberto Trejo, 36, killed his roommate, Martin Federico Rodarte, on December 18th before, and this is the part I again don't understand, he tried to break into the Colorado Springs Police Department's Falcon substation. But I think it said he was trying to turn himself in. So I don't know why he'd have to break into a substation in order to turn himself in. He told police that he, and I quote, just woke up and shot my friend in the chest with an arrow and he wanted to turn himself in. So he just woke up and he's like, that was a good nap. So many questions. That was a good nap. I'm going to go kill my roommate and then turn myself in. It's just very strange. Again, why did he do it? What was their relationship? Why did he only get 12 years? Is that what you get? You get 12 years? You just literally admit to killing somebody? And he's like, yeah, 12 years. Seems like you should go to jail for the rest of your life, right? If you just, would, like, pre, like so. for no apparent reason, just woke up and shot your roommate. They're like, is that somebody we want? Like, I don't know, Brandon. Have, are they heavily under the influence of drugs and alcohol? Or? I don't know, Brandon. I get, I have, this is all the details I have. You're like my wife right now, asking me questions that you know <laughs> I don't have answers to. <laughs> All right, talking about crossbows, let's continue. This one comes from Fox 11 out of Reno, Nevada or Nevada? How would you say it? 
Nevada, Nevada, Nevada State, Nevada State Athletic Commission. So they always hear about. I always say Nevada, Nevada, with a soft A instead of the Nevada. That's like a Chicago way of saying it. I think the hard A, Nevada. Midwest versus East Coast. Virginia Range Stallion shot dead with crossbow. So apparently they have wild horses out here, feral horses, feral Mustangs, if you will, in this part of Nevada. So this is Stagecoach Nevada. A Virginia Range horse was shot and killed with a crossbow on Thursday morning. On September 28th at approximately 7.45 a.m., a local resident found the body of a Virginia Range stallion who had been shot with an arrow and had died on her property when she went out to feed her own horses. Wild Horse Connection, that must be some sort of like organization that is pro-wild horses, uh, immediately called the LCSO, which I'm assuming is the sheriff's office, uh, and the law enforcement officer. She and another volunteer responded to the residents. They were able to follow a blood trail to the driveway of a nearby residence. Deputies obtained a search warrant for the property and found a crossbow and arrows matching the one that was found in the deceased horse. As a result of the investigation, 41-year-old stagecoach resident Jonathan Wilson was arrested and charged with the unlawful and malicious killing of a wild horse, as well as a misdemeanor warrant. Also, he must have had a misdemeanor warrant out of another county. I don't, they don't say why he killed it. Once again, like, was it eating his bushes? I was, that's what I was. Was he just drunk and like, I'm going to shoot this horse. It won't leave me alone. He had a gun in his truck and he was like, yeah. He had a crossbow. Yeah, he he had a loaded crossbow. And he just shot it. The quote says, no animal deserves to die this way. These horses are are cherished and historic part of living on the Virginia range. It's a sad day, but we appreciate the thorough follow through by law enforcement. (laughs) The guy's picture, he's kind of just like, I don't know. You just wish that these stories could be accompanied by like the person being like, yeah, this goddamn horse was eating my flowers and I was drunk and shot it. I don't know, something. Give me something. There's got to be a reason that he shot it. Was he just bored? Wanted to see if he could do it? Figured what? He figured nobody would find him. Had no idea that it was him. Literally followed the blood trail back to his house. Like, he made no attempt to even conceal or cover up the crime. Seems, Seems like a bad plan to me. Sticking on crossbows. Last week we talked about the, was it last week or two weeks ago we talked about the angry guy that didn't want crossbows in Minnesota? Here's why. Crossbows have comprised 40% of the archery deer harvest in Minnesota in the first 10 days of the season. So Minnesota, this came from Outdoor Life. Minnesota's first ever crossbow season is off to a roaring start as evidenced by nearly 800 deer the crossbow hunters have harvested since the archery opener on September 16th. Minnesota DNR shared the statistic with Minnesota Public Radio News on Sunday, pointing out that those 790 deer comprised around 40% of the archery deer harvest so far. Now, the problem that I have with this article is that they don't tell me what the typical harvest over the first 10 days is as compared to what it is right now. That's like the most important piece of information you can give me. If you tell me that normally in the first 10 days, we kill a thousand deer, and this year we've killed a thousand deer, nothing to worry about. If you tell me normally in the first 10 days we kill a 1,000 deer and this year we've killed 1,800, now maybe we have something to talk about. But in this case, they don't give me the data that I need to make an informed decision. 
All they do is give me enough data to where if I'm an anti-crossbow person, then I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be like, see, look, I told you. All these lazy idiots are out there with crossbows killing all of our deer. But I don't even know. Have we killed more deer than we normally kill? Maybe we've killed less. Maybe we normally kill more deer. And this year it's actually less. We have no idea. How can I be an informed, angry podcast host without the correct data? This is a pretty long article, but it really doesn't go into anything else. Very interesting. All right, so we talked about that. We talked about all that. We got uh, one more quick update on this case. Okay, so we got two other two other stories to talk about. All right, so we're going to talk about the case in Ohio where everybody's up in arms still about the deer hunting in the park. This is like an ongoing thing. There's always updates. I love following along, knowing where they're at because they're getting ready. They're getting ready to go do this hunt, and people, they are angry. Uh, the courtroom was jammed on Thursday with advocates both for and against a planned deer hunt at Mill Creek Metro Parks. The issue to be decided, whether or not directors have the legal authority to cull the herd. Um, some guy said that while hunting is a legitimate way to manage the deer population, he disagrees with the park's plans. This makes my stomach turn, he said. Oh, yeah, because they're talking about now using um, sharpshooters to go in and do it which I get like, it seems like when there's like a public outrage against the hunting aspect of it and that gets shut down, they have to do something. So then they end up just sharpshooting them, which like, obviously it's no good for hunting and hunters takes away our opportunities, all sorts of different things. But it seems like that's what they're going to, going to try to do is use sharpshooters. This is an interesting one though, that I, I really enjoyed. Local veterinarian Donald Allen is one of those filing the suit. This suit is to stop this from happening, claiming that the best course of action is allowing Mother Nature to take over. When man steps in to interfere with Mother Nature, he generally screws up, Allen said. Well, I hate to break the news to Allen, but it's a little too late for that. Man has already stepped in and eliminated all the predators and built up cities around these parks. So we've already screwed everything up, right? That's the reason there's so many deer to begin with because of this. If we wanted to like get out of the picture entirely, man would have to go extinct. And I'm sorry, but veterinarian Donald Allen, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So yes, we should be going in there and managing the deer herd. It is our responsibility. We caused the problem. Now we should go fix the problem because letting nature run its course in this particular case means a bunch of deer starving to death or getting diseases or running out in front of cars and getting hit and potentially people getting hurt or killed. That's what would happen if you literally did nothing. And does Donald, the veterinarian, truly believe that it's better for an animal to starve to death, to die from malnutrition or to die from some disease than it is to get sniped? by some dude with a suppressed rifle in the head? Come on, you tell me, Donnie, how would you rather die? Starvation, disease, or just walking along? This is like Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. You're just walking along your little deer, you go down to the stream and all of a sudden, blam! Your brains are laying on the ground or whatever she says in the movie. That's how I want to go out. Somebody just snipe me. Nobody wants to die from disease or starvation. Donald... Come on, dude. You're smarter than that. You're a veterinarian. Give me a break. 
So uh, the park director says that Mill Creek Park is the only facility of its kind in Ohio without a deer management program. And those that are involved in the scheduled hunt say the deer population here is threatening vegetation all around the park district. There was another lady that's, that was like holding up a map and they have a, like they've sectioned off the park and said like, you, Paul, you get to hunt this section and Brando, you're this section. Jay-Z, you're over keeping us all separated in our different sections and away from whatever they want to keep people away from. The lady, the lady says, I mean, this map, nobody's going to follow this. I'm sorry. Nobody's going to follow it. How does, how do you know that Catherine Hamilton? Have you ever done this before? Catherine ever been a, a part of any of this? Cause I have, and I followed the map to the letter of the T because I didn't want to get kicked out of the stupid program. Of course they're going to follow it. This lady, these people just idiots guys. There's idiots everywhere. And that's how we're going to end this week with an idiot in, in the UK. Let me find this story. This is a terrible story. I'm, I am going to follow this one until they figure out who the hell did this. A 16-year-old boy has been arrested. I don't know if he did it. They make it sound like maybe he did, maybe he didn't, maybe he had accomplices. 16-year-old boy was arrested after the world-famous Sycamore Gap tree was deliberately felled, a.k.a. cut down. All right, boys, men. Paul, you're young. How old are you? 26. 26. Brandon, how old are you? Are you 40 now? 39. 39. Okay. Have either of you seen the Kevin Costner Robin Hood Prince of Thieves movie? A long time ago in the 90s, but yes. Paul, have you seen Kevin Costner long Robin time, Hood? A long time ago well, for me. You, so should, like... you should both rewatch it because it's one of the finest cinematic masterpieces this world has ever known. Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, Christian Slater. Better what than, a cast. Alan Rickman. Better than Men in Tights? Carrie Ells and uh, Dave Chappelle in Men in Tights. Another fine movie. A Mel Brooks <laughs> classic. Don't get me wrong. But Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Loxley, I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon is one of the greatest lines of any movie ever. So there's a scene. There's a famous scene in this movie where Morgan Freeman it sets the stage for the whole movie. Morgan Freeman and Kevin Costner, they're walking along this, this stone wall and there's a young boy in a tree and he's in, in, and there's some guys, the, uh, the sheriff's cousin and his, and his buddies, they're trying to get the kid down out of the tree because the kid killed one of the deer because the sheriff was starving him, killed one of the sheriff's deer. And well, Kevin Costner comes along and he says, is it true, boy? Did you kill a deer? And he says, we, oh, we were starving. We needed the meat. And then there's a fight. Kevin Costner essentially saves the boy. The boy takes him back to wherever he came from, where he meets his rabble, his crew that then later on go, right? The tree that this kid was in is a famous tree. It's this sycamore gap tree. And some asshole showed up with a chainsaw and cut it down. It's this lone tree in the middle of this like big prairie. It's world renowned. It's been there for a over a hundred years. It's been in this movie. It's like a national landmark. And some asshole literally just showed up with a chainsaw for no reason and just cut it down. And it was in Robin Hood, which is an archery movie. So it ties into our theme. Plus, it's one of my favorite movies growing up as a child. Just sums up like our world today <laughs> why did he cut it down what was the point of it because he could or oh, she 
or whoever did it. Sitting at the side of Hadrian's Wall, the tree had stood for a long time next to one of Northern England's most recognizable locations, in turn becoming a landmark of note itself. It's so popular and iconic, it was featured in a Hollywood film, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Go watch it. It's a great movie. I can quote almost every line in that entire movie. That's how many times I've watched it. What a fine movie. You guys should all watch it. Morgan Freeman, it's a great performance. Point me towards danger, Azim. I'm ready. It's a great movie. But now it has been destroyed. And they believe that it was done on purpose. Well, no shit. Somebody didn't just show up with a chainsaw and accidentally cut a tree down. Whoops. I slipped with my chainsaw and cut this 100-year-old tree down. Of course they did it on purpose. So some kid was taken into custody on suspicion of criminal damage. He remains in police custody at this time. Hopefully they're beating a confession out of this little douchebag. Why would he do such a thing? I don't know. That's all I got. We're ending on it. Now I'm, now I'm angry. They cut down <laughs> They cut down the tree of one of my favorite movies of all time. October begins this weekend. October begins this weekend, everybody. And tomorrow we have a wonderful episode of Bowhunter Die that everybody should tune into. Our dear friend, Josh Fletcher, which isn't even his real name, but that's his name. That's what we call him. Josh Fletcher shoots a buck in Wisconsin. It's a great buck. It's a great hunt. It's a great video. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. As always, did you hear that wheeze? (gasps) I'm wheezing a little bit today. Need my inhaler. (laughs) A little bit of asthma today. Sorry, boys and girls. Uh, yeah, so tune in, right there. subscribe, <laughs> leave us reviews. We appreciate all the feedback, all the commentary from everybody. It seems like you guys are enjoying the podcast. Hopefully you are enjoying your hunting season as it begins. And we'll see you next week right here on The Pinch Point.